Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Well, amidst the beautiful weather here, we hope that everybody is staying dry in the states that have been getting hit by hurricanes. Absolutely. Kind of a crazy week for weather, my goodness. And we have lots of friends in Texas and in Florida. And so uh, we're keeping everybody on our minds. Yes. In Georgia today, two people are getting hit. Oh, my gosh. So it, it is a full thing. So everybody be careful out there and take care of yourselves. Yes, please. So we were lucky enough to have a really lovely weekend here. Yes, and we were. I gave my first Waukesha ghost tour of the season. That's right. That's right. So Waukesha, Wisconsin is a hub of paranormal activity in the southeastern part of the state. It was fun. And I've been doing a ton of research on Waukesha mm-hmm. in preparation just yeah. to you know learn more and have more background knowledge of the area. And so it was particularly exciting to get to go and walk the sites and tell the stories with that extra knowledge now. Yes. Well, the other exciting thing is that uh, had had a lead on a new story. Yeah. And so today what I did was looked all through Historical Society stuff, looked all through old newspapers, found a directory from 1899 in Waukesha, and uh, eventually linked up the story to where it took place and the person whose house it was at. That is so cool. Yeah, so that to me is amazing. First of all, you can find an 1899 Waukesha directory on the internet. And look, I got to recommend, if you guys want to find weird stuff in your town, <laughs> just get the seven-day trial on newspapers.com yes. and look at a newspaper from the 19th century. And chances are there's going to be some kind of fun ghost story in it. Yeah. Scott Marcus from whatsyourghoststory.com tipped us off to that one that you were digging into. Yes, And boy, did. it was really, really yeah. a good one. Like we'll it. have to, maybe we can share it on a future episode, a ghost story episode. Yes. Once, uh, once we integrate in the script, we can, we can sh- once it's polished, yes. we can share that with everybody. It was fun to find that, be able to synthesize a bunch of things. And it was like, wow, like what a, what a cool thing. And, and uh, newspapers.com is just a wealth of information of um, just the crazy stuff that people were talking about in the 19th century. So that would be just get the free trial, look up your town and, you know, just look up your town and ghost or look up your town and lake monster. And I haunted or yeah, any kind of weird phrase. There's going to be some story from a 19th century newspaper and you're going to find like oldie timey words and stuff (laughs) that you like too. And you're going to love it. So uh, yes, that's a recommendation. Anyway, so today was a fun paranormal haunting day. Thank you, Scott from What's Your Ghost Story for finding that because that gave me a whole morning full of pleasure. Yes, but speaking of news and new-timey language, not yes. old-timey, what? We have we've big... got a couple of new iTunes reviews, Mike. Oh, speaking of things that bring me pleasure. Oh, so exciting. All right, so what's the first review, Wen? Okay, a five-star review from Taku, if that's how it's pronounced. Spooky Times. I love me some stuff on cryptozoology and paranormal stuff. Great times. All right, great. I agree. I agree, Wotukaku. <laughs> well, I'm to redo that. Wotaku. 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 Uh, yes, it is great times. Thank you for listening and for your five-star review. We sure do appreciate that. Yes. Now, were they inspired by uh, Kotaku is the gaming blog uh, from oh. the, the old Gawker sites? And Kotaku might, 
it might mean something. Hold on. Let's check uh, what Kotaku might mean because that, that's a gaming blog that's um, – I think they're owned by Univision now. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure because all the Gawker blogs got split up and, <laughs> and bought up. Um, no. <laughs> when I look up, all right. Okay, so I can't find anything that Kotaku means. So if you guys know what it means, just tweet us at other side talk and say like, no, actually Kotaku means something. I thought it was just like a Japanese kind of sounding word uh, so uh-huh. that it would sound gamey. Anyway, so that okay. thank you very much, Wotaku, for the sweet, uh, <laughs> for the sweet five star review. Hey, and we got another five star review too. Ooh, double yes. day. The title of this one is excellent, and <laughs> this is by Horror Junkies. And All right. Horror Junkie says, "See you on the other side." Is an intriguing podcast. It never has a dull moment. Well, thank you very much. I don't even know if I agree with that statement, but I appreciate that, Horror Junkies. <laughs> it never has a dull moment, and the topics are always very interesting. Mm, there it is. That is a sharp mm. observation. I just started listening to this show, but I can tell you that I will now become an avid listener of the show. Great if you are into the weird and paranormal. All right. Well, welcome to the fold of listeners horror junkies yes happy to have you in the audience horror junkies and whoa taco we love you guys yes thanks um, for taking the time to do that and if you'd like to leave us a review please go ahead and do that on itunes or stitcher radio or any of the podcast review sites and we'll read it on the air we absolutely will and i have to say that the guest this week mj dixon from sage paranormal she came highly recommended from one of our friends wendy that's right she sure did so our friend Lisa, our friend Lisa, who's the uh, host of the Madison Ghost Walk, and she's been a guest on the show here several times. Mm-hmm. She's from Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, and so she talked about <laughs> Devil's Night, and she's done our recaps and with us at the different paranormal conventions that she comes along and uh, hangs out. She's road tripped with us a bunch of times. Yeah, no, she's she's absolute fun, and she met MJ on a paranormal cruise. Yes. So they have these paranormal cruises where you go to on ghost tours in different cities, like in the Caribbean. You can leave from New Orleans, which is on the Gulf of Mexico, and and you go and do ghost tours and talk about weird stuff the whole time. And that, to me, sounds like the best kind of cruise you can take. It sounds awesome. You know? I like, want to go. Like, no shuffleboard. Um, <laughs> you know, you go straight to the ghost stories, and that sounds... So, anyway, Lisa met MJ on this cruise, and she's been saying we should have her on the podcast for a while. And then she also became friends with Allison from Milwaukee Ghosts, and they've been doing videos back and forth on the internet. And we knew we had to bring her on because she's got a huge paranormal convention that's uh, coming out next week in the UK. And she's got a really cool convention. We want to talk about that. We want to talk about uh, her mediumship like how she sees dead people and all that kind of stuff. And she was really fun to talk to. And I, well, let's get to it. MJ Dixon is the founder and lead investigator of Sage Paranormal in the UK. Her experiences with the paranormal began at a young age when she began having psychic experiences. MJ is the founder of Sage Paracon UK, which is coming September 22nd to 24th at Warwick Castle. Thank you for joining us today, MJ. I'm here with uh, Wendy, of course. Hello. And Mike is also in the offing. Hey, how you doing? And this, of course, is Allison from Milwaukee Ghost. Thank you so much for joining us, MJ. We've got so much to talk about. <laughs> so I-, I think maybe the best thing to do is to just start at the beginning. 
So I, I was really compelled to hear about, you know, thinking about you as, as a little girl, you know, having these experiences with the paranormal. So we, we definitely need to talk more about that. But you're not originally from England. Could you talk a little bit about your origins? Sure. Um, your mysterious I'm, international origins? I'm a spy. I'm an international spy. <laughs> um, I was born in Zimbabwe. And I was raised between Zimbabwe and Greece until around the age of about five or six. Um, my family moved to South Africa and I was raised there up until my early 20s. I lived in South Africa and I traveled a lot in between. Um, and then my husband and I decided to backpack the world. Um, I got a bit of a bee in my bonnet. I couldn't sit still. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> We donated everything that we owned to a charity, packed a couple of backpacks and hit the road. We worked in a few different countries and worked in hospitality. So um, all sorts of bars and hotels and restaurants. And we got to England. And I, I mean, I don't know if it's because mediums can kind of pick up on each other's energy. And I met this woman and I was like, oh, you do tarot card reading. And she was like, yeah, I advertise. And I was like, well, why? I mean, South Africa, that's not something that you do. It's still very taboo. You know, you'll, you'll be burnt at the stake if you say you do tarot cards there. <laughs> it's still really weird about it. And I was just blown away when I got to England about how, how open they were about all things spiritual. Um, and so it just, it felt like home. I got here and I was like, yep, this is it. This is me. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to stick around. And that was almost 10 years ago. And so it just, it felt like home. I got here and I was like, yep, yeah, this is it. This is me. I'm, I'm good. I'm so that's how you got uh, to England. You just felt some resonance that this was the place for you. So you told me that uh, your mom actually had some psychic abilities and that as you were a child, you started to discover uh, that you had psychic abilities as well. Tell me a little bit more about that and you know wh where when did that start did that start like you know way back in Zimbabwe or mm -hmm. what were your experiences um your earliest ones that you remember I come from a very long line of crazy ladies um <laughs> <laughs> very that's very the only way to be the force is strong in our family <laughs> um my I'm fifth generation and wow. so all the females on our side, on my mom's side of the family, um, all the females have some form of an ability. Um, some are more subtle than others. I'm probably one of the strongest and clearest in our family. And I think that's only because I completely immersed myself into it. You know, I embraced it as wholeheartedly as I possibly could. Um, and on my dad's side of the family, I only found out in 2010, I think it was, I found out that my great-grandmother on my dad's side was also a psychic medium. So I've kind of got it maternal and paternal sides. Um, and I remember, I remember my first experience very clearly. I was about three years old, three, four years old. And it's funny because you, you don't really have memories from when you're that age. And this is something that I can still remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I remember walking down, we had, we lived in this old farmhouse, massive farmhouse. And it had this really long corridor with, all these bedrooms going down the left-hand side. And the very first room in the corridor was our spare bedroom. And so I remember making, I, I, my mom made this big pot of popcorn 
And she said to me, once you've put it in the bowl, bring the salt shaker so that she could put the salt on it. Yeah, I was a kid. I'll chuck the whole thing in there. And so oh. um, I remember walking down the corridor with this massive bowl of popcorn. It probably seemed a lot bigger because I was so small. And my mum was walking towards me. She was trying to put some laundry on the spare room bed. And we both kind of met at the door and turned and looked into the room. And there was this figure of this man lying on the bed. But as you would be placed in a coffin. And I remember looking at the bed and going, Mom, who's that man? And she fainted. And I dropped the popcorn. It was clothing everywhere, chaos everywhere. And I remember trying to wake her up. And when she woke up, she just burst into tears. And all she said to me was, oh, no, not you too. And I think the first time my mom realized that there was something passed down. Um, and then she tried for years to to shelter me from it. Um, I mean, it's a scary upbringing, you know, when you have people that just suddenly appear and people you don't know. And when you're a kid, that's frightening. But I, I don't know. I loved it. <laughs> I've always been <laughs> curious. So I was like, hey, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So did you guys ever, uh, were you able to have jokes that your dad couldn't get because he couldn't see the <laughs> dead people or like your brother? I don't know if you had a brother. All but the other, time. So he'd be like, what are, these, what are these girls talking about? You're killing me. And then you're laughing. And he's just like, I feel left out because I'm just a norm. All the time. Because for some reason, uh, my brother, my brother had experiences um, growing up, but nothing he didn't try and develop it. He was terrified. So he shut it out and he would always tease me because I used to have really long black hair all the way down to my waist. And so I looked like Morticia Adams. <laughs> uh, quite scary, actually. I looked a lot like Morticia Adams growing up. So he would always tease me and call me Morticia and, and say that I've got the, what he'd say, you've got the, I speak to dead people gene. Um, and we'd always have really good banter about it. But my mom and I, I think the worst thing about our family is the fact that you can't keep a secret because they hear it on the psychic grapevine. But like you, can, you can't hide anything in our family. It was so funny. You might, you might as well just come clean. Yeah, exactly. Because somebody on the other side is going to tell them anyway. So um, <laughs> we've had a few instances like that. And it's quite annoying. So your dad... Your dad was in the military. Mm-hmm. What was his reaction to all of this? I mean, was he open to it or, you know, did he shut it all out? I mean, how, how did how did he deal? It was, I don't know. And my dad had a really good sense of humor. Um, he was a very logical person. So he was the guy that when something went bump in the night in our house and my mom and I were like, oh, Oh, that's just so and so. My dad would be like, "Yeah, no, I'm gonna go check this out. Like, it could be the wind." You know, he was the one that always tried to debunk everything, and really rational person. But I could never understand. I mean, my parents were very happily married for 39 years, and I could never understand that they are completely chalk and cheese. You know, my dad was just so <laughs> rational, and my mom was so airy fairy. I was like, "How the hell does this marriage work?" <laughs> like, you're the <laughs> opposite. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I think he never questioned my mom because she was so accurate with things. I think over the years he just learned to trust her. Um, and then, yeah, the more I developed my psychic abilities and came out with 
random facts and things. Um, I think he just, I don't know, he got used to it. Hey, 39 years, so, you're going to get used to something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's hope so, so maybe he just, you know, was truly scientific about it, you know, mm-hmm. more of a skeptic than a cynic in that, and, and that he eventually followed uh, the evidence wherever it was going to lead. And it led to verification. It did. And it just had to accept that, right? Yeah. Well, so maybe it wasn't like, what did you say, chalk and cheese? Yeah. Maybe it was more like chocolate and peanut butter. What? <laughs> <laughs> Two like great tastes that taste great together, right? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Better way of explaining it. <laughs> so um, do you think that that first experience that you mentioned with, with the man on the bed, um, and, and where which country was that, by the way? That was in Zimbabwe. Um, that was in Zimbabwe. Three days after that happened, um, we got the news that my uncle had died in a car accident. Oh. Ah, so um, was that who you think that you saw? Yeah. So it was, I really it was like do. more of a premonition. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because my, I mean, subtle things happened my entire life. Really subtle things, you know. There were several different experiences growing up, but it wasn't until my early 20s that I had an experience that literally shook me to the core. Um, it was probably, I call it my awakening experience because it was that moment that I went, I, I can't escape this. This is who I am and, and I'm going to embrace it. And it's what made me go into all things paranormal. Um, and funny enough, that experience was the same person. It was my uncle, the same uncle. Well, let's hear all about it, because I was wondering, that was the next question I was going to ask you, is, you know, what convinced you, what really uh, shook you to your core, as you said? So, yeah, we'd like to hear the details of that experience. Well, funny enough, I think this was the awakening of my husband's side as well, because he always just, I mean, I warned him when we started dating, I was like, crazy ladies. I'm like legitimately from a nutter family. (laughs) We're, We're crazy. Um, and he, I don't think he ever really believed me until this particular event. Um, so it kind of, yeah, solidified our chalk and cheese relationship. (laughs) We were engaged at the time. Um, and we were visiting my parents. And so about four o'clock in the morning, I was trying to move around. I mean, it was winter. We had all thick, heavy blankets on. And I couldn't move my legs. And I was like, oh, I'm tangled in the blanket. So I tried to sort of untangle myself and sort of woke up. And I realized it was actually hands that I was feeling around my ankles. Like somebody pushing my ankles down on the bed and like shaking me to wake me up. Oh, scary. And so I like looked up and I saw my uncle stood at the end of the bed. And the only reason I remember this being my uncle is because I remember what he looked like from photographs. But needless to say, I freaked the hell out. I, I started hyperventilating. I burst into tears. I was so shocked I couldn't get the words out. Um, my husband woke up, and he was trying to calm me down and, and figure out what the hell was going on. Like, was I having an asthma attack or something? Um, and all I, could, <laughs> all I could get out was, I don't want to freak you out, but my uncle's standing at the end of the bed. <laughs> She's very subtle. <laughs> and um, he was like, wait, what? So he he kept saying, like, maybe you're just having a really bad dream. And I was like, no, no, 
no, I'm awake. I'm talking to you and I'm looking at him. <laughs> He's very much there. So eventually this kind of faded away. Um, and I eventually calmed down. About two hours later, I got up to go to the bathroom. And as I walked out of the bedroom, I was still, I was feeling very uneasy, very weak, very dizzy. And my mom walked out of her bedroom around the same time. And she was like, wow, you look really tired, my girl. And I just looked at her and went, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't sleep very well. And she was like, yeah, me neither. Your uncle came to wake me up last night and he was trying to tell me something, but I just couldn't hear what he was saying. And I just went quiet. And my husband was like, wait, what? And my mom looked at me and she was like, did he come and visit you too? And I just stood there like, did, did your dead uncle come and visit you? What is wrong with this? <laughs> like, seriously, what the hell? Like, you're not normal. And, you know, we sat down and we discussed it afterwards because we were both trying to figure out what the message was, what he was trying to say. He was really excited. He was really happy. There, didn't, there wasn't like any bad feeling about the experience other than it shocked me. And I remember my husband sitting there looking at the two of us going, you could see he was trying to debunk this in his head. And he just looked at us and went, so which uncle was it then? And both of us turned around and went, Peter. And we carried on talking. And he was like, oh, you haven't seen each other to talk about this. So how would you be describing the same thing? Um, so it, it made my husband believe that I'm not exactly all that crazy and all that, you know, everyone in the family is the same. Um, and that just, you know, after that experience, I wanted to know more. That was it. There was no escaping. <laughs> so your uncle Peter, has he come to you subsequently? I mean, because it sounds like you have some kind of relationship with him mm -hmm. from the other side. Well, I I went to go and see um, an elderly lady in South Africa that did tea leaf reading, um, and she was also a psychic medium. Um, I actually, my best friend took me to her. I thought she was a complete charlatan at the time. <laughs> I told my best friend she was trying to steal her money, blah, blah, blah. No one can be that accurate. So she went, you know what, come with me. Um and I walked in and she said to me, there's a man by the name of Peter that wants to speak to you. Now, the thing is, we used to call him Panyas because that's his Greek name. We didn't call him Peter. Peter's the English version of his name. So I didn't know him as Uncle Peter. I knew him as Uncle Panyas. Mm. And so I went to this lady and she was like, there's this Peter that wants to speak to you. And I was like, charlatan, there is no one named Peter in our family. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it turns out it was actually my uncle. Um, and that's where I learned that he'll come through giving his English name rather than the Greek name, because hardly anyone can pronounce it. <laughs> so you have um, the Greek side of your family. Any insights as to that culture and uh, maybe their beliefs in you know, the other side? Have you seen my big fat Greek wedding? <laughs> you met my family. <laughs> I, I I have I have actually, and uh, makes me want to get the tweezers out. Uh, but yeah, I love 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 that movie, and I've just you know wondered about um, you know the spiritual side of that culture. Um, to be honest, I my whole family are quite spiritual. I mean, even on the Greek side, as I said, my great grandmother was a medium as well, and I just think. 
that on either side of my family, I don't come from your typical Greek family that followed, you know, the Greek Orthodox religion to a T, that kind of thing. Uh, we've, we've always been a bit out there and a bit different. Um, so, and with regards to the religious side of it, to be honest, I don't know much about the Greek Orthodox religion. Um, I was given the opportunity as a child, my, my parents never forced us into any religion. They told us that whatever we chose, whatever we felt was right for us was our thing. Um, and so I came along at about 10 years old and decided I'm going to be pagan. And, wow. was <laughs> and my parents <laughs> went, well, I'd say pagan, I'm Wiccan. But my parents went, okay, if that's what you want. Hey, if you want to believe there are fairies and dinosaurs still walk the earth, go for it. <laughs> um, they were just so supportive, you know. So when with my upbringing, I was raised, I, yeah, everything's spiritual and Wiccan. Very different from everyone else. <laughs> so MJ, I mean, what... I'm getting here from you is is you say that you come from this long line of crazy ladies and but there's veracity here right there there is certainly reality to these experiences oh yeah so how do you go about living in this very materialist modern society which reduces everything and really shuts out a large part of human experience Frustrated. Frustrated. Um, you know, it's funny because when I first moved, I live in a, a little town called Henley and Arden in Warwickshire. And it's literally the the main street is a mile long. It's this tiny little village. It's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And everybody knows each other. And when I first moved here, um, like nine years ago. When I walked down the street, everyone was like, oh, avoid her. She's the crazy lady that's into the paranormal. Don't look at her. She's a witch. She does all things witchy and she's different. And people would literally walk circles around me down the street. Or they would attack me like, I don't believe in that. And that's a bunch of nonsense. And, and I never retaliated. I never, you know, because everybody has their own beliefs and everyone has their own way. And I'm accepting of everybody else's. I don't accept I don't expect people to accept my beliefs and, and you know believe the same thing, but I do expect them to at least respect it. And moving on nine years later, I walk down the street now and people go, Oh hey, if you want a really good tarot reading, that's the person to speak to. Go and grab MJ. You want some witchy herbal whatever it is made up, go and speak to MJ. So, you know, in nine years I've seen the difference. But it is. It's frustrating when you when you're in tune with everything else, having to constantly explain yourself. One thing I'm interested in is uh, when it comes to reading the tarot cards. Okay, so you already have some some psychic business, and when I think of tarot cards, like I think it's I think of it as random. So when you're doing it and and you're doing the reading, are you seeing the tarot cards as like a jumping off point? Like how much of the actual meaning of the card? is coming into your reading, and how much is it uh, your spidey sense kicking in uh, to, talk, to do some psychic business? So I always say that there is a big difference between um, a psychic tarot reader and a tarot reader, because you can learn all the meanings of the cards. I mean, anyone can study the meanings of the cards and throw them out 
and kind of lead from there and a few really educated guesses and some cold reading. And there you go. You have a reading. But I don't know. The cards, I don't really need the cards at all. They, to me, are a tool to give you something to look at. Because I can sit in front of you and do a reading. And, and most people, if I just blurt everything out about your life and tell you, this is the advice that you need to follow, you're going to look at me and go, who the hell are you to tell me? But you come to me for a card reading and I lay those cards out and you look at those cards. You're like, oh my God, tell me all my advice. Hmm. Lay it on me. What do I need to know? So it's, it's literally just a, a tool. I don't know. I don't really... Every now and again, I will refer to them. Sometimes it will... It'll help clear things up a bit more. Um, my guides have already... Um, confusing way <laughs> of showing me things so sometimes the message will get a bit muddled up and it's nice to have the cards as you know sort of a backup so it's kind of like the scene in Pulp Fiction where Samuel L. Jackson says the path of the righteous man or whatever he's like oh I just said some sounds like some cold-blooded spooky stuff to say before I kill a guy that's the <laughs> cards are there just to give you that uh you know to add some uh some ambiance and some absolutely factor to the reading okay that's yeah. cool yeah, like a set and setting to get people ready to receive the advice. Exactly. It's exactly that. I mean, if I sat down in front of you and blurted it out without those cards, I can guarantee you won't take half of it in. But if I'm pointing at the cards in front of me and I go, hey, this and this and this is going to happen and this is how I would handle it if I was you, all of a sudden people are like, oh, yeah, it's a really good idea. <laughs> all right. So it's it's like the cards um, – you know, carry some kind of uh, veracity with them, or people feel they do. And in, instead of, it's weird that people, you know, these these inanimate objects that that people respect that more than you know a person <laughs> coming to you and and giving you things that um, she's directly receiving from the other side. That's interesting. Here's another example of something like that: the difference between people saying, "Oh my God, you're using a widget board." And people are like freaking out, oh, you're opening portals to the other side. It's, it's going to be demonic. It's a demon. It's a demon. Or are you using a spirit box? That's kind of the modern form <laughs> of communication with the other side. So, so why wouldn't whatever's coming through on that then therefore be a demon? Why is that Grandma right. Joe? But a widget board, which is just a board. It is just an inanimate object. It's got no ties to the other side other than... It enables us to communicate, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just a piece of plywood. <laughs> and, and instead, you're walking around. You're a portal opener. You're the portal, MJ. Hey! <laughs> More likely. Hashtag so, it's so a demon. So tell us about... Yeah, hashtag it's a demon. <laughs> so tell us, MJ, about uh, starting your own paranormal group. Because you're the founder and lead investigator of Sage Paranormal. How did that all come about? When I moved to England, I ended up moving into a really nice apartment. However, there, there were a lot of things that went bump in the night there. Um, and I later found out that the apartment that I was living in was built on the ground of the gallows, where 18 people were publicly hanged. Um, as well as several other things that went on. So... It was an extremely active house. And um, I kind of was still in the beginning of my development. So 
you know, I didn't quite know how to switch things off or kind of dull it down so it's in the background. And it was full on. It was, I was burning more sage than anything in that house. Honestly, it was <laughs> right. like, It's not like your uncle coming to say hi. That's people who were going through something horrible. It was a new experience for me. It was people I didn't know at all that were all of a sudden like, oh, you can communicate. Woohoo. So it was very overwhelming and terrifying. <laughs> um, and I reached out to a local paranormal team here because I was like, basically, I phoned my mom. And my whole life, my mom went, let me teach you. And I kept going, you're a crazy lady. I'm fine. <laughs> no. And I got to England and this happened. And I phoned my mom and I went, okay, mom, can you help me? And she went, no, learn it on your own. Uh-oh. I tried to help you your whole life. Tough love, man. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. So I reached out to this local paranormal team and they were able to introduce me to the, the psychic medium that they worked with, Liz Cormel. Um, and Liz and I just, we hit it off really well. We became really close friends she helped me with my development. I learned so much from her. She is amazing. Um, and then the two of us decided to do the investigating side of things. So I founded Sage um, along with Liz. And yeah, we even we investigated for what, eight years all, all over the UK. We've investigated a few places in the States. Um, couple places in Europe. So yeah, unfortunately, at the moment, it is just me all on my own. Uh, Liz has taken some time off. She's having some surgery. So um, unfortunately, I'm holding the sage fort down on my own at the minute. <laughs> and what is the difference, do you think, um, between what you do at Sage Paranormal and maybe other groups do? What differentiates you, would you say? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, you have some teams that go more for private investigations, um, whereas we don't. We don't really do private houses at all. The only time I have ever taken on private cases is when I've answered the phone and literally within five minutes I can tell that there's nothing really paranormal going on. It's creaky pipes and rattly floorboards and people have got themselves worked up by watching too many TV series. <laughs> um, so, you know, then I've stepped in and gone, okay, hey, look, I can explain all of this, <laughs> but we don't, well, I don't know what makes us that different. To be honest, there's no such thing as an expert in the paranormal field. There is no such thing as a number one team. There's no such thing as a number one investigator, whether you have 60 years of experience or six months of experience we're all investigating the same thing. It's the unknown. So, you know, you, you're number one at the unknown. Woohoo! Good luck with that. <laughs> well, let me just tell you, I, when, you, when people have these kind of experiences that they think are paranormal but aren't really, I can give you an example of something that just happened five seconds ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, but my child's playpen is about five feet away from me, and she's running around right in front of me. And so the all of a sudden... I hear one of her toys come on inside the playpen and start singing, and she's not in the playpen. And then she waves hi to something inside the playpen, right? Ah. <laughs> what? But I know it's probably just the electronic, you know, like the batteries just activated or something just happened. or And then she responds to it. She responds to the signal. But there you go. Like, okay, my house is haunted because somebody's activating the toys in the playpen when she's not there. 
So that's the kind of thing. I can see where people get faked out and then like call somebody. I mean, I've had people that, that don't understand. For instance, um, I had a, a woman phone me and go, my house is definitely haunted. Um, because every time I walk up the stairs, I get goosebumps. The hair on my neck stands up. You know, I get really nauseous. I get a headache. I feel like someone's right behind me. They're watching me. They're like right on my back. And I said to her, well, is your mains electricity board at the base of your staircase? And she's like, yeah, how'd you know? I'm like, well, you're walking through an electromagnetic field constantly. That's the body's natural reaction to EMF. It's just, it's going to give you the goosebumps and make the hair on your neck stand up, paranoid, you know, make you feel nauseous, give you a headache. You're walking through a massive EM field the whole time. So, you know, if it happens anywhere else in the house and you can take a mel meter or a K2 meter or something, you can measure it, be off the charts. And they're like, oh, so that's not a ghost. Well, well, no, honey, that's just electricity. How do you define ghosts, right? <laughs> well, how do you define ghosts, MJ? I mean, in your experience. I think there is a difference between a ghost, a spirit, and residual. And my definition, and this is my personal opinion from, from the experience and the mediumship side of things, when I've gone into locations and I've come across a spirit that seems to be frequenting that building, it's not that they're necessarily stuck. You know, maybe they're just happy there. Maybe it was their favorite pub. And, you know, they just like watching people come and go. Maybe that's their thing. They're people watching. Or they're not ready to move on. Or they still want their story told. Whatever the case may be. I think that when you have a haunted location and there are these entities there, these spirits, I believe that's the definition of a ghost. It's somebody that doesn't want to move on or that is there for whatever reason, you know, may be. Um, whereas a spirit would be somebody like my father who, who passed away almost six years ago, but he is able to come back and give me messages. And it's the psychic grapevine that I was talking about. So my dad will come and tell me to you know, call your mom. Something's gone wrong today or that sort of thing. And he can check in. He can give me messages, as does my brother, um, and they're not bound by any location. They're not, they're not stuck in any way. And then obviously residual being energy that's trapped in a location that kind of just replays as a, as a loop, sort of like a recording. Well, um, MJ, what about poltergeists? I think poltergeists are man-made. Um, you know... When, when somebody's had an argument and you walk into the room, you can cut the tension with a knife. I mean, you can feel it. Whether you're sensitive or not, you can feel the animosity in that. So I think that this energy that constantly builds up, and you especially find it in homes where you have um, teenagers going through puberty, especially. you got a lot of the slamming of doors, the hormones all over the show, the you know up and down mood swings, the arguments, the... And that's where you tend to find a lot of this activity. Um, so I do think that it is something that e this energy eventually manifests into something that is able to move things and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know. I've, I've come across very few of those. So One last question on that track. Um, what about others? Um, like, you know, you mentioned fairies previously. Fairies are always a favorite of mine. Uh, because, you know, certainly I think, you know, even in the paranormal realm, you know, people are skeptical that there could be other beings about. And I just wondered what you thought about that. 
I have come across um, elementals. I've come across a few different things over the years. And I can't tell you the amount of times I've gone, wait, what? <laughs> like, that's real. I feel like I'm in an episode of Supernatural. Um, I, I remember the first time when I was about eight years old, I came across this little, it was like a little goblin. It's the only way I can describe it. Like this mean little goblin, golem slash, I don't know, creature. And it tormented me for weeks. It used to, um, it used to run around the dining room table, which if I looked from my bedroom, from my bed, through the open door, and I, I could see across into the dining room, and it would run around underneath the dining room table, and it would sort of bare its teeth and, and do this mocking laugh. And I was like, I'm awake. I am awake. I'm, I'm, this is my dad's side of me kicking in. I am wide awake. I am staring at it. It is taunting me. It is this weird little creature. And eventually I freaked out, started screaming. My mom came in. Obviously, I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. Bad dream. Um, but it was there for weeks. And eventually I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to be scared of it. And it seemed to lose interest. Um, mm. It seemed to have gotten bored and left. <laughs> but it was the first time that I came across anything that wasn't human. And I questioned it for years until I started meeting other people who had similar experiences and described something so similar. I was like, wow, okay, I'm not losing my mind. That, that's actually a thing. Um, and I've, I've come across several others over the years. I think we're going to need a sketch. Because <laughs> I, I, I really wonder about these little beings. Uh, and uh, so it's fascinating to hear that you had your own experiences uh, with something other and, but, but they're few and far between. They're, they're not common. It sounds like, but, but they definitely are out there. You would say. The way I see it is it's born of earth energy. Um, a lot of the times people will come across or mediums will come across a different sort of entity that maybe to someone who isn't sensitive they would say it's a demon, it's demonic, it's whatever. And I think it's just because that they've never been human. You know, so they don't understand our way of looking at things. They don't understand that what they think is just harmless and mischievous and fun to us that seems terrifying and et cetera, et cetera, because we don't understand this being. So I think that a lot of the times, you know, they are mistaken for what we would call demons or negative entities when in actual fact it's just trying to poke around and have some fun it just just doesn't understand well did it feed on fear or something i mean you said when you weren't afraid of it anymore uh, it kind of lost interest did you feel that it was eating your i did actually i think it was the more i got worked up about it and the, and the more it got a reaction out of me the more it would taunt and the more it stuck around. So the moment I stopped that, it just kind of lost interest. It was, it was literally like, well, I'm not getting a reaction anymore. Might as well move on. It's kind of like all those bullies in the paranormal world. <laughs> I was going to say, you heard it here, people. Fairies, they're bullies straight yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, I think um, they are. So, so um, with your team, you know what? What was maybe the weirdest or the most compelling case that you, you've ever 
add um, with with your team together? I mean, uh, or maybe like experiences that you shared. Oh my gosh, I want to laugh so much right now. Um, <laughs> you should. I, we like laughing. Oh laughing is good. I honestly, I can pinpoint a few that really stand out. Um, one of them is an investigation that we did about two years ago. Um, and we had a couple of other team members with us at this one. So we had Carl Hutchinson and Liam Hall that were part of the team at the time. And so it was just the four of us that got locked into the Explosion Museum down in Gosport. And the Explosion Museum used to be an old naval base. So it is massive. It is absolutely huge. Wait, there's a museum dedicated to just explosions? I think we need yeah, a little backstory. It's, <laughs> it's basically where they created all the um, gunpowder for the explosives during World War One and II. Um, and also the gunpowder used to be shipped to um, Lord Nelson's fleet, including the HMS Victory. Uh, he supplied all of them with gunpowder. Well, they supplied him with gunpowder. And um, so it's a very interesting location. Uh, there were several deaths on the property, obviously working with gunpowder and explosives. Um, it, it's huge. It's a massive place. And and the main grand magazine, as they call it, which was built in around 1777, there, thereabout, um, it's where they stored all of the gunpowder. That main building has now been turned into the actual museum. But there's several, there's probably about 10 or 12 huge buildings on the property between the hangars and all sorts. Um, and there were four of us locked into that location overnight. It's one of my favorite places in the world. Um, we had some very interesting things happen throughout the night. We had all four of our voices mimicked, but we've captured all of it on camera. We had um, spirit box responses that were literally mind blowing. Uh, one of them was, quite funny actually i was walking with liam in what's known as the admin block and it's probably the creepiest building on the site it's it's horrible um and we came we, we were in there for about 15 20 minutes and it was flat there was just nothing going on in there um and due to a whole bunch of pigeons that got in pretty much all evps were contaminated so we thought you know what it's, Those it's damn not pigeons yeah man <laughs> So we thought instead of sticking around here, wasting more time, we're going to check out a different building, spoilt for choice there. And I walked out of the, the front door of the admin block holding the spirit box and the recorder, which was still on. And I said something like, oh, I've never been so happy to leave a building before. And the spirit box crystal clear went, and you're the crazy one. And I was like, <laughs> what? did you hear that? And Liam was like, no. And I was like, I've got to play that back straight away. <laughs> and I played it straight away. And he was like, oh my God, they even think you're nuts on that side. <laughs> it's sassy too. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Here's the funny part. It was Liz, our medium's voice. It was her accent, but she was oh, on the other weird. side of the grounds about 250 yards away. So now in you a different know what she building. was thinking. So yeah, right. <laughs> So um, I, we rushed straight over to her and played the recording back. And she was like, wow, that's, that's me. Um, so it was, it was very interesting. Uh, we, we had 
an opportunity to investigate the air raid shelter underground, which is usually flooded. And during the investigation, we we did uh, a bit of an EVP session down there. And we had something growling at us, moving around the air raid shelter. Um, and then if I was live listening to the EVPs at the time, I would have made a new tunnel myself. Literally, <laughs> I would have been gone. Because what we captured on EVP, when I listened back to it, was chilling. Um, you hear me saying that the melmeter, I mean, you're underground, there's no electricity whatsoever, and the melmeter starts spiking. And you hear me saying that it's going to 0 0.4, 0 0.5, and I'm like counting it up as it's moving up. And then you hear this really deep growl, but we heard it at the time. And you hear us stop and try and debunk what's going on. And then the EVP that we captured says, can we use them? <laughs> not. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, you may not. Yeah, I was like, I am not a meat suit. Do <laughs> uh, 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 you think that's what they, what was going on there? What were they trying just, to do? And then like half an hour. No, it wasn't even. It was probably a couple of minutes, actually, into that same recording. We had Help Me come through, and then we had uh, Help Us, and then we had We Want You to Help Us, and it was Class A EVPs, literally. Mm -hmm. There is no, like, oh, I think it says, it is so in your face. It was terrifying. Um well, the usual, the only way people can actually listen to EVPs is when you hear like a blah, 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 and then somebody puts in the subtitle and then you're like, oh, exactly. yeah, well, he, he, yeah, just read yeah. the, he just read the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't need subtitles for these, honestly. That the can we use them? Oh, man. <laughs> it's right up there in my top three EVPs that I've ever captured. So um, where, where can we listen to these? Are they on the web somewhere? We've got a whole video. If you just search Sage Paranormal, the Explosion Museum, it should come up with a full, I think it's like an hour long, that we filmed the entire investigation. And I did a really bad editing job of trying to put something together because we've, we've <laughs> seen how techy I am. So, you know, it, it took me about a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but the important thing is the evidence is yeah, there. Yeah, got it. And we captured one of the most amazing full-bodied apparitions um, on camera, which took me about seven hours of watching a five-second clip continuously to debunk that it was actually another team member and just very cool lighting. Oh. <laughs> so, but but we, you put in the time. That's the important thing. Yeah. You know, you just didn't gloss over. You really thought about it. Yeah, we did. A, we did you, a whole thing about how, like, explaining how easy it is to jump to conclusions about something being paranormal, and you know how much effort we put into trying to debunk that. It was so convincing. It had the whole team convinced. We were like, "Oh my god, this person steps into a doorway and just disappears." And it's just this really odd figure and it's, you know, it, we tried everything to debunk it. And eventually, after comparing several different camera angles, I was like, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> this is IR lighting and great camera angles and just a split second of somebody turning a camera at the right time. But it's just captured one of our team members. 
nothing. Well, I mean, that, that you know, I think should make, uh, you know, investigators, people who are uh, enthusiasts in the paranormal, you know, respect you so much more because, you know, you've seen the other side, but then you also know that there can be a lot of false positives and you're willing to put in the Absolutely. rigor, you know, the hours and hours of analysis that it takes Absolutely. to differentiate from, you know, what is signal and what is noise. I, and and I think that's what the field is sadly lacking, that, that type of rigor. Um, so talk about Sage Paracon coming up. Uh, you know, when, when did you decide uh, that you needed a conference? And so how long have you been doing it and why did you start? I mean, I, I'm really excited about uh, the lineup this year. I'm very, very excited about our lineup, to be honest. They, they're <laughs> all really good friends as well. So um, it's just great having everyone come over to this side of the pond to our mud patch, as I call it. Um, <laughs> Well, last year, I went through some chemotherapy. Um, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer, and the the doctors were kind of like, well, hey, it's not looking good. Somebody even brought up that, yeah, if you make six months, seven months, the way it's progressing, and it's really aggressive. And I turned Mm -hmm. around and went, you don't know me. I am so positive I poop rainbows. Uh. (laughs) Honestly, I am just literally... I try and be the most positive person. I have my moments. Don't get me wrong. You'll see it on Facebook when I rant. I make sure everybody <laughs> knows I'm having a moment. <laughs> um, but it's healthy. Let it but, out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right? <laughs> Don't keep it in. Um, but I went through some some really big challenges. And during my chemotherapy, really heavy regime that I was going through, um, I just needed something to focus on. I wasn't allowed to investigate. I, you know, because of infections and that sort of thing. So I wasn't allowed to do anything that I loved. Um, My guides kind of shut me down completely on the Spidey Sense side. Um, And I needed to take my mind off what I was going through. And I thought, what better than bringing people together? I mean, two of my favorite things in the world is bridging the gaps between people and seeing those friendships and those networks and things formed and the paranormal. So I thought, this is a great idea. And through my chemo, I put the first Sage Paracon together, um, ran around the event looking like we had a Gollum lookalike. It was fun. It was good. It was a great event. Um, It was small, manageable. Things went wrong. They, they are bound to. You can't think of everything. Uh, but I just, I had a lot of support. And I finished the weekend on about four hours sleep between the Thursday and the Monday. I was exhausted. I was happy. I was emotional. <laughs> and I kind of sat down and everyone went, great, when's next year? And I went, wait, what? No. <laughs> no, no. I got through the cancer. I'm good. We had a celebration weekend of all things paranormal. Um, And then everyone just kept bugging me for another one. Um, So, yeah. Well, that's a good sign. Everybody wants more. (laughs) (laughs) It must have gone well. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. And so this year we're at Warwick Castle. Amazing. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's one of my favorite locations in the world. Um, it's where Alistair Crowley himself used to hold seances. Wow. Oh yeah. 
And allegedly, a South African archdeacon, Coley, raised a young girl from the dead on the bed in one of the rooms. So um, we investigated it last year, and I was able to start doing an EVP session in Afrikaans. And we actually received Class A responses in Afrikaans as well. So that was really cool because I was the only Afrikaans-speaking person there. I asked him um, if it's easier if I speak to him in his language, and he responded saying, yes, it is. So, uh -huh. And we had a map-up on the SLS camera. We asked if he could raise his right hand and wave, and it waved at the camera. Um, we had several different things happen. It was very, very cool. Uh, so the location is just amazing. I mean, it's... 1,500 years old or something wow. ridiculous like that. I wish we could wow. have a place like that here for our paranormal <laughs> conferences. Yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing location. And then, you know, we've just got the most amazing lineup of speakers as well. We've got John Zaffis. We've got Brian J. Cano. We've got Jeff Belanger, um, who are three of my favorite people in the world. Actually, I can't say that all the speakers are. I love them all. <laughs> um, you got Robert Merch coming I as know. well. Oh, my too. gosh, I love Robert. He is just yeah, amazing. He, he, he uh, we were at his um, presentation at Michigan Paracon. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, there was so, so much information that, that, and clarity he brings in about the Ouija board and oh, yeah. its history. So um, we're actually going to be doing an experiment at the beginning, because on Friday, the 22nd of September, it's our investigation. The whole night's dedicated to that. It's sort of a meet and greet straight into the investigation of the castle. And we can explore pretty much the entire castle. Even the torture chamber? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Is there an oubliette? There is. There is. <laughs> All it's right. so cool. Uh, so you go down into this massive dungeon. They've got the oubliettes. And there's, uh, yeah, there's quite a few different. They've got a, a bear. I wouldn't know what to call it. Basically... When some really rich folks owned the castle, they decided they wanted bears, as in just big brown bears. So they had two of them in this sort of like a bear pit, if you will, <laughs> where they used oh to my keep gosh. them. Yeah, so um, apparently they used to chuck a few people in there that were a bit unruly <laughs> or... Yeah. So that could be your punishment. You get thrown into the bear pit. Uh -huh. oh. they, do, they actually do that in Game of Thrones. That's in the... Uh, the th the okay, third, I don't want the to third book, throne, I think. So oh <laughs> that's awesome. So Maybe it was inspired here. by it that happened. place. Come to Sage Paracon for a real life Game of Thrones. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> um, that's so, so amazing that you get to investigate the castle. Yeah. So overnight with all of the speakers, we get to <sighs> explore. And we're kind of doing it in a way that we're going to start off with Robert Merch doing a Ouija board experiment. Um, with the entire group of people. And then because the place is so big, we're splitting into tiny groups of probably like four or five people. Um, so they're there about maybe like six people with one of the speakers. Um, and you kind of rotate the groups throughout the entire castle. So you get to investigate with each of the speakers in a small group. Um, and then come around one o'clock, we've got free time to explore wherever you want to explore for about two, three hours. Um, and if you want to go with whatever speaker you want to go with, go for it. It's up to you. Um, so we give you free reign. I want to go. <laughs> I know, right? That sounds so amazing. amazing. <laughs> Jinx. 
Left all day Saturday, but what I learned from last year is no one wants to get up early. So I think our first lecture is only at about 11, 1130. Oh, that's I good love one. it. Because, you know, every, every time you speak at a conference, you know, uh, there's always somebody who gets that Saturday morning early yeah, spot. And in the morning. Not nice. Oh, no one yeah. wants to listen to someone lecture at nine yeah. o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so we've moved ours up. We even moved up breakfast to a little bit later as well extended breakfast in the morning um it. we've got the lectures all day we've got um saturday night is the vip party which the theme is supernatural as in the tv show because anyone that knows me knows that i am completely addicted to a super i'm actually wearing a supernatural shirt i don't know if you can see i've got dean all over <laughs> oh, my face uh, that's awesome yeah dean winchester so all over my shirt you're on Team Dean, I, I see. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, actually, this is thanks to Scott Grunewald. He, he's pretty much given me a whole supernatural wardrobe. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Saturday night we've got the Supernatural VIP party, and we have karaoke and a DJ. However, the karaoke is MJ style, and I don't mean Michael Jackson. I mean this MJ. Uh, <laughs> It's karaoke roulette. Ooh. <laughs> so you have a oh, wheel that no. and whatever the arrow kind of lands on, guess what you're singing? <laughs> your only saving grace is you can drag other people up with you. You okay. don't have to do it alone. <laughs> and we won't do that all night. It's just a bit of fun. I, I'm determined to get John Zathis and uh, Jeff Dillon. We won't have a problem getting Jeff up, let's face it. <laughs> I know. He, he loves the karaoke. Oh, yeah. Um, and so then Sunday... We start the day a little earlier on Sunday, unfortunately, at, at 10 o'clock. We start Paranormal Jeopardy, hosted by Brian J. Cannon. So it's uh, about an hour and a half of, of our version of Jeopardy. We're trying to say his version of Jeopardy. Can't take any credit for it. He's <laughs> making it. Um, and that's just to get everybody involved. There's some prizes and things. We go into all the lectures on Sunday. We have a mediumship demonstration by Claire Hinks. And we end the day with a paranormal debate, sort of a roundtable panel. Paranormal Smackdown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, that just sounds fascinating. Um, and so uh, do you plan to do another one next year? I am. I am. I'm already on right. punishment. That's good. That means we have time to, to make our plans to go, right? That's well, right. <laughs> so next year, we've actually got two big things going on uh, because I'm really a sucker for punishment. <laughs> we have a paranormal cruise through Europe, and that is in May next year. So it's the Sage Paracruise, and it starts in Venice, Italy. We will be in Venice for three days Bye. doing a whole bunch of exploring and investigating. We then board a MSC cruise and we do Barry, Italy, Surrender in Albania. We also do three Greek islands and we end in Dubrovnik to where Game of Thrones is filmed. Uh, so we do the Game of Thrones tour and then we head all the way back to Venice. Uh, so it's a 10 day paranormal adventure and it's it's all sorts of. You know, each stop that we do, we have all sorts of myths and legends and things. There will be a few lectures on board. We have our own um, fancy dress 
cocktail costume party on the ship. Um, and there's a lot of little things included in, and a full drinks package. <laughs> oh, so my. It's messy. <laughs> so it sounds like some ghosts are going to be made on this cruise. Uh, well. <laughs> no lack of spirits. Oh, no. Um, yeah. So we've got that coming up in, in April. And then we'll more than likely have Sage Paracon 2018 at Warwick Castle. And at the moment, we're looking around November. All right. Well, we'll all mark our calendars because that sounds like the perfect kind of thing to try to start planning for now. (laughs) Absolutely. And I've always wanted to go to Warwick ever since I saw a a rugby game at County Stadium in Milwaukee when I was 12. (laughs) It was Warwick versus Warrington. (laughs) And they had some kind of international rugby tour. (laughs) and we were on the we were on the Warwick side, so I feel some kind of affinity for that town. You're on there Team you Warwick. Yeah. <laughs> so what what can we look forward to in the future? I, I know um, you you have that YouTube channel that we'll have to link to in the show notes, but um, I noticed that that both of us have been doing a lot of Facebook Live videos lately. Oh yeah, so, <laughs> doing um, our own paranormal road trips. Yeah. Uh, do you know what it's we, my husband and I usually go fishing. Anyone that knows me knows I love fishing. I am terrible with that. And so weekends, <laughs> well, on a Sunday, it's usually my, my sit quietly by the fishing waters and, and try and outfish my husband because it gets really competitive um, <laughs> really badly. <laughs> but so coming up for winter, I am not sitting in the cold. There is no way. And so I decided... <laughs> a while ago actually we did a few throughout the summer um, where we've done a few little paranormal road trips to different places and explored sort of the myths and legends and you know the ghost stories of that location um and there's there's quite a few places around here that i want other people to see i want them to explore i you know we have a stone circle called the little roll rights and that's 20 minutes from my house maybe 30 minutes and people, it's, it's like a mini, it's older than Stonehenge. And people don't even know it exists. It's on your doorstep. So it's all these kinds of places that, you know, I'd love to do the Facebook Live videos and just introduce people to. So it's just sort of little paranormal road trips. That's it. It's just my husband and I going off on little missions and exploring places. Well, that's great to, you know, bring people in to see this this uh, fascinating uh, locations um, that, as you said, you have right on your doorstep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the same thing, you know, that inspired me to start doing these little haunted road trips is, you know, there's so much going on um, and you take it for granted when you live right next to it. But, you know, there's people from around the world that would like to see these things too. So exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing more of those as well and, uh, you know, hopefully teaming up in the future. Absolutely. I'm up for that. I absolutely love your videos. I've been watching all of them. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, MJ, for joining us today. I, I mean, we literally could talk, talk to you all day because I'm sure that there are so many more stories uh, that you have. But um, are there tickets still available for Sage Paracon? There are only eight Tickets left. Um, yeah. We, do you know what? It's a very small event. Um, most conventions, you know, you'll have a few hundred people. We have limited to 60 people. That's it. 60 people for an exclusive weekend. We want it to be 
really intimate. So you've got a lot of one-on-one time with the speakers so that you can really pick their brain. You can learn Mm. as much as possible. You know, you can form relationships with the people that are there. It's a nice small group to be able to do that. And I call it my sage tribe. Um, I don't know. We seem to be growing every year. We've got quite a few international tribe members now. But yeah, there's eight tickets. So if you are interested in joining us at Warwick Castle, 22nd to the 24th, it's just www.sageparacon.co.uk. And you can find the tickets there. And where else are you going to be able to fight a bear? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if all else fails, we've got John Zaffis or Bob Merch. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get you on again soon. And we're hoping to, to see you on a, a paranormal cruise or maybe at the next uh, Sage Paracon. Thank you so much for coming and uh, spending this time with us today. Thank great. you for having me on. It's been great. I, I did warn you beforehand. I can literally talk for hours. <laughs> we love it. And we love to listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when do we start raising money to go to that conference, Mike? Uh, that that starts <laughs> as soon as this one's over. So I think September like 25th, we get right yeah. into raising money to get to Sage Paracon in 2018. Let's start busking double time or maybe write some more uh, songs and release a few new albums. Yeah, we can do that. All right. We can, cool. We, we, can, we can find a way to get to Sage Paracon because first of all, um, awesome people going to be there. Yeah. And, and it's in a haunted castle. Right. And so <laughs> it, you, like, you've, like you always want to do ghost investigations in a haunted castle here's your chance you got mediums there so people are going to be popping off dead names left and right um that's just sounds like a great time so everybody who's going out to the sage paracon in warwick warwickshire uh i hope you guys have a great time and thank you to mj for joining us on this episode thanks mj well mike i'm ready to have some nightmares yeah after this i'm going to go and see it have you seen it yet no I, i i have not seen it yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, but I I plan on I plan on seeing it soon. Um, I haven't read the book. I've always been meaning to read the book because uh-huh. I I saw the miniseries when it was on in 1990. I remember coming back from soccer practice yes. and it was on. And I, I think I might blame that miniseries on my own personal coulrophobia. Oh, your fear of clowns. <laughs> yeah. Because it was very disturbing when I saw that as a child. Yeah, it was fantastic. I think. I blame it for my uh, love of Tim Curry because I love him oh. from that. And the thing is, with the original miniseries, you couldn't go wrong because you had Harry from Night Court was in it. John Ritter, <laughs> Jack right. Tripper was in it. Um, Richard Masur plays one of the characters. Actually, I just saw him in an episode of Orange is the New Black last night. He, oh. he was, uh, he's, um, oh, who's the rich woman? Judy King. He's Judy King's husband, the guy with the ponytail. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's in uh, Transparent, too. Oh, I've I've only gotten past the first, like the first couple episodes, so I have to oh, okay. keep paying attention. But anyway, the original it's classic. I hear this new one's great, so I bet you're gonna have a good time. What I would do though is I'd bring a change of underwear just in case. No, yeah. w- I'm just worried I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. But okay, well, just uh, be your be your bravest and remember. Oh, no. Well, oh, no. you know, and I remember seeing interviews with Stephen King like in the '80s, and he would talk about how he checks under the bed. 
and stuff and then how he yes. like he's scared of oh his he's scared of his own shadow and that's how he comes up with these things <laughs> all right so well, but, maybe it'll inspire me yeah to well some scary songs 117 million dollars it was the biggest horror opening mm-hmm. of a movie of a horror movie ever yeah so that's incredible so uh i can't wait to see it i hope you have a good time thanks well the song this week so First of all, MJ is from the UK, and that's a little inspiration right there, because we only have uh, friends from across the pond, you know, I'd say once every couple months. So number one, we have a little bit of British inspiration for this, even though she's not a, <laughs> she's not a native Englander. True. She does pull off the accent, though. I didn't hear the Afrikaans accent or anything like that. Like, it, sound, it sounds like somebody English, so that's cool. And second of all, I thought it was pretty inspiring, you know, when she talked about when she, you know, was diagnosed with cancer. And she said, well, my friends know that I'm just not the kind of person who gives up for anything. Love that. Yeah. Such a great attitude. Just says like, well, that's it. I'm not giving up for nothing. Like that she just refused. (laughs) And I I think that was really inspiring. Very. So we thought this would be the perfect opportunity for this particular Sunspot track. And so this demo is about not giving up. And it's inspired by all those, you know, those T-shirts that came out a couple of years ago, which are, which are from the World War II signs that uh, they had. And it's just about not giving up and not letting uh, extraordinary circumstances, well, like a cancer diagnosis or the Blitz, the Battle of Britain, to ruin your life. And uh, this song is called Keep Calm and Carry On.
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. But hold on, we're not done till we no, say we're not. till we say thank you to our Patreon community. Thank you so much everybody. First of all, you Patreons keep us going every month and your support and the cool tweets and the messages and everything like that is really important to us. Second of all, we got to thank, wait, who do we got to thank? I can't even remember. I, I'm just kidding. I can totally remember. Wendy, who is it? We saw him this weekend. Dr. Yes, Ned. Dr. Ned. Thank you so much. Dr. Ned is at the support level where he gets a shout out every single episode because, well, he's awesome. <laughs> He is. And he came to our show this weekend and brought some friends. So thanks, yeah. Ned. It was great seeing you. It was great. And he was getting new Sunspot fans. Like, like yes. he was meeting people talking about him. He was. Like, I think we got new Sunspot fans. And <laughs> we really appreciate that. And awesome. we, we appreciate our entire Patreon community because you guys help us keep these cool podcasts going. And um, we love you. And, I, and yes. I, I mean that every nasty way possible. Yeah, and it's been fun getting to know people, too, through the community of Patreon. So thanks for that. New friends. And we look forward to some more cool hangouts coming up here this month and some other little uh, odds and ends that are going to be showing up in the Patreon feed. Absolutely. Well, it is it's Halloween time, so this is the time yep. of year. And I know it's only September. We're like, it's already Halloween time. It's Oh, it, 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 oh it's on. It's, it's Halloween. It's coming. Yes. yes. It's coming for you, Patreon community. All right. Well, and if you'd like to join that community, it's pretty easy. Just go online, typey, typey, typey. Yep. Get on your computer. And visit othersidepodcast.com slash donate. See you on the other side. I am not a meat suit.